Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in to this edition of Stand Up For The Truth. And as we start a brand new month, um, we've got a very special guest today, and it's so important because of what's going on in our communities and our country. We need to open this in prayer as we always do, and remember to keep trusting God and fear not. Father in heaven, thank you so much for giving us another opportunity to love you, to be your salt and light, to preserve what's left of this country and culture, to be light in the darkness. And it is dark, Lord, but Christians are to be that light that shines and that shows others how to love and and have a a proper worldview. Um, Lord, give us the strength to speak. Give us the strength, Lord, to first of all stand up for injustice, to love our neighbors, and to remember always, Lord, that you are sovereign, that this world and on the timeline of eternity, our little cities and states and, and country is just a blip on the radar in terms of Bible prophecy and the, um, just the creation of the world to when Jesus returns. We are somewhere toward the end of this timeline. Lord, help us to look at that biblical perspective and understand your view and how we need to respond to these current times. Help us to understand this season that we're in and help us to continue to do the job that you've called us to do. You say, Lord, that you, um, you are going to be faithful to complete the work you began in each one of us who are believers in Christ and called by his name and who are converted and saved and born again. And Lord, we have a big job to do in this country, so we need your strength and we need your wisdom. We love you and lift up this hour to you and this day, this week, and a whole new month. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get to our guest today, I have some thoughts I need to share. Um, first of all, from 1 John chapter 3, it says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know him. And then if you drop down to verse 4, everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that Jesus appeared in order to, to take away sins, and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins, and no one who sins has seen him or knows him. And then it says in verse 8, the one who practices sin is of the devil, For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. No one who is born of God practices sin because his seed abides in him. And he cannot sin because he's born of God. Verse 10, by this, the children of God and the children of the devil are obvious. Anyone who does not practice righteousness is not of God nor the one who does not love his brother. This is the message which you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. That's the first 11 verses of 1 John chapter 3. Um, Can't wait to get to our guest, Alex Newman, today. Um, New American, the Newman Report, Freedom Project, Media, and um, he's holding on patiently. Um, Lord willing, he's going to be with us the whole hour, but I have to share my thoughts on what's been happening in our country And I've tried to taper these down and take the emotion, not the passion, but the emotion out of this. So if you'll bear with me for a few minutes, and we are going to talk about a lot, homeschooling, uh, the coronavirus, the riots. uh, We're going to talk about what's happening with the division in America about racism. We're talking about President Trump confronting censorship and uh, even the new American being targeted by big tech. Uh, We're going to just talk about what's happening around us and how to respond. So I wrote my thoughts on racism, radicals, riots, and redemption. And I made a post Friday night after watching some horrific news footage 
of what was happening around the country. So here, let me just share my thoughts. What does theft, destruction, and rioting solve? Over 170 buildings and businesses have been burned or destroyed in Minneapolis alone. The sincere pro- protesters seeking justice in the case of George Floyd, rightfully so, have now been drowned out by the agitators and radicals, paid protesters. But cities across the country have been hijacked and apparently police forces have been overwhelmed by Antifa and other anti-American groups. So from the early stages of rioting, why were there no arrests? Why no rule of law? Why the police stand down orders? This is irresponsible governance by state leaders. Planned protests were well organized in dozens, at least, of other U.S. cities. This extensive agenda of chaos did not happen in a few days. Why have we not heard more from the media about the roots and hate of Antifa and even many factions of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement and what they're truly about? American citizens deserve the truth. We pay taxes in part so our communities are safe and we are protected. This movement or these movements do so much more damage than good to innocent people in these communities. Black business owners are losing their businesses. They're furious about about this. All business owners. I shared a post late Friday night after watching some of the rioting, violence, and destruction being done in cities across, across America. You cannot justify bad behavior by pointing to more bad behavior. I was rebuked by several friends on my Facebook in the comments, and I can take it. I welcome disagreement. But it's interesting that because of that post, when I did not first in that particular post mention the the killing of George Floyd, that I was not appalled and infuriated by his death, and I didn't demand justice. And like many others, I was sickened seeing that video from last Monday. It was disappointing and heartbreaking and embarrassing that that would happen. Another human being could treat another human being made in the image of God that way. And the video made me angry. But I've learned not to emote right away, especially on social media. Proce- process, give it time to, to just, you know, sink into your thoughts and heart and pray for God's wisdom. I'm sure you would agree destruction and mayhem in response to injustice does not resolve the problem. Some say, oh, these blo- the protesters were blowing off steam. And I heard that on MSNBC. I heard that on CNN. I heard a few contributors to Fox News say that. People can't protest and obey the law at the same time. There's more. There's more that goes beyond these simple protests, these innocent protests that were sincerely trying to raise awareness. I've said hundreds of times at least every human life is created in the image of God and has value. And yet there's little outcry over thousands of babies being murdered every day in their mother's wombs. There's little outcry or media attention given to the constant murders in Chicago and many inner cities across the country. And most of these deaths are African Americans, but they don't make the headlines. They don't fall in under the, under the pattern of the media, the narrative, right? There were also lots of white young adults looting and assaulting police officers with projectiles. And these are paid agitators, many of them. Some are out there because they've been stuck inside due to the coronavirus, and now they're just taking advantage of the crisis. How does a sincere response for a good cause spread like wildfire in so many cities with so many people so quickly? Remember Martin Luther King Jr., Remember, he carried a Bible, but these thugs are carrying bricks and Molotov cocktails and others. This is manipulated mob mentality and anarchy, not justice. Now, racism exists and is a horrific mark on history. That being said, with everyone I know personally, everyone I work with, everyone I go to church with, to my knowledge, in my life, not one person is a racist. And though I didn't grow up understanding what it feels like to be discriminated against because of my skin color, I do see the ongoing worldwide slaughter of a people group, regardless of color, simply because they call on the name of Christ. This also does not fit the media narrative. 
I also personally know many police officers who I'm sure are both disappointed, embarrassed, and infuriated that one of their own, allegedly, would treat a fellow human being the way George Floyd was treated. I take stats and numbers into account. It's part of my job. And the overwhelming majority of law enforcement do their jobs properly and with integrity, serving all citizens. So, yes, demand reform, but don't believe that the entire system is racist or wrong. And I was I admittedly disappointed to see some of my Christian friends fall into this camp. Now, I don't think the family of George Floyd would approve of the destruction of the communities and businesses that affects the very lives of people that live there. I've also read that he was a Christian and spoke out against violence. The Bible says we are not to repay evil for evil, that we are to obey governing authorities and to love our neighbor and not let the sun go down on our anger. We can be outraged and upset about many things and work toward raising awareness and taking steps to improve, but to justify a protest or riot, anything, anything other than a passionate or peaceful protest, to justify that or condone it in any way because you're making an argument for racism is ridiculous. It doesn't serve the greater good. Now, racism isn't a skin problem. Remember this. It's a sin problem. Racism is a heart issue. We are one blood, one race, the human race, born of God or of the devil, as we just shared in 1 John chapter 3 and other places in the Bible. Now, keeping it all in perspective, I'm going to wrap up here. Evil abounds, and it always will. But do not conform to the world. Don't buy the media narrative. Don't buy what the public schools are selling. Don't buy what the left in Hollywood is selling. Let's overcome evil with good, it says in Romans chapter 12. And don't conform. Sin is the problem. Jesus is the answer. Forgiveness. And eternal life are possible only through faith in him. The gospel is the power of God that leads to salvation. And friends, we need to be about the gospel and about his business. True peace can only be found in Jesus Christ. And the hope that he offers and that we have received as believers and Christians is an anchor of our soul during these tumultuous times. Those are just a few thoughts. I had to shorten it. Uh, now, I want to bring out today's guest Alex Newman, thank you so much for being patient. He is a, an award-winning international journalist and uh, an educator and author, uh, constantly seeking to glorify God in what he does, what he writes. He uh, is an education writer for Freedom Project Media, uh, an international correspondent for the New American Magazine, and a contributor to the Law Enforcement Intelligence Brief. Alex Newman, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth. Are you still there? I am. Thank you so much for having me, David, and uh, thank you for that uh, monologue. That was beautiful, and uh, I couldn't agree more. That's uh, what America needs to hear right now, so thank you. Well, you're too kind, and I know you share many, many more thoughts on this topic, but let's pinpoint a few things. I mentioned Antifa, which seems to be behind a lot of the chaos, the violence, and the destruction across America. They are anti-American. They are anti-capitalist. There's a lot of anti-free uh, market uh, groups out there, and Antifa is, is really causing a lot of chaos. My first question, though, because of I noticed some younger people, when I say young, between the ages of 18 and 30, let's just say, they were raised in this government-run education system that put forth you know, their worldview, not the Christian worldview. Also, they're influenced by Hollywood. They're influenced by the media and the progressive left. So what are your thoughts on this question? Are we seeing, not, not that they are doing the violence and destruction, most of them, but are we seeing the fruit of the government-run education system and that worldview that has been taught to them about racism and about just hating America and the system and the Constitution because of their perceived injustices? Well, I think that's exactly what we're seeing, David. And, you know... I have seen for years now the the fake version of history that's being taught to our children in school. Um, you know, they don't actually teach them what it says in the Constitution. They don't actually teach them what it says in the Declaration of Independence. Uh, they just constantly and, and in an extremely dishonest way uh, portray America as something evil. Uh, and 
you know, Dr. Duke can talk about this too. He's been doing informal surveys of his students as they come into college. Uh, he says the majority, for over, over the last decade now, the majority believe that America invented slavery. And I think it's a good anecdote, but it's a good example of how serious this problem is. Now, if these children had been taught properly, they would have understood that because of the biblical worldview of most of the founding fathers, they came up with these ideas, which were really unprecedented at that time, especially outside of Christendom, the idea that all men are created equal. In fact, the founding fathers said it was a self-evident truth Mm -hmm. that God created all men equally, that God endowed all men uh, with certain inalienable rights, and the government exists to protect these rights. This was basically unprecedented in the history of the world, and yet that laid the foundation for eradicating slavery uh, for the first time, you know, along with our cousins in, in Britain, the Anglo-Saxon world, for abolishing slavery, uh, first in our own countries, and then all over the world. Right? Slavery is something that's been with humanity almost from the dawn of time in virtually every culture, in virtually every time, in every place. Uh, it's just a scourge that has always been with humanity, that people enslave um, their fellow humans. And yet the Christian worldview that holds that, as you pointed out, all people are created in the image of God. All people have value. In fact, the, the Bible is very clear. If you kidnap another man uh, and take his life, uh, you're committing a, a sin that's worthy of death. And so this was the worldview that led to the abolishing of slavery. I mean, there's parts exactly. of the world where, uh, in the country of Mauritania, for example, slavery was still legal until the year 2007. So it wow. took a long time for these Christian ideas to catch on around the world, and yet our children have no idea. They think America invented slavery, and so they're out there rioting and protesting, trying to burn America down. And there's more behind the scenes, too, David. Yes. You know, there, there are very powerful forces involved in orchestrating this chaos for a very deliberate reason. I call it the war on America. They quite literally want to tear this country down. And uh, when you really peel below the surface, what you find is this is also uh, a war, not just on America, but also on the Church and on God's people and on the truth that God has revealed in the Bible. Uh, there's absolutely a war on truth, and moral relativism is now spreading like crazy. But back to the public schools, they are not only told, in whether it's directly or indirectly, that America is a bad country systemically from the, its onset. So uh, the Constitution, of course, then must be evil and you know must be changed, right? Because if it's bad, if America's bad, and we are all about... Um, you know, money, and we, they, they put down the, the capitalist system, the free market system, capitalism. But the other problem is they don't recognize the truth that even in political parties, there's, there was a divide in the early days, and I know you can share more history on this than I can, about how slavery was overcome and what parties were for slavery, who was against slavery. Can you share, shed a little bit of light on that, which is not currently being taught in most government schools? Yeah, and, and that actually goes right back to the Founding Fathers. In fact, a lot of the key Founding Fathers, including, interestingly, Thomas Jefferson, who did own slaves, as every government school will tell every government school child a thousand times by the time they graduate, uh, they wanted to abolish slavery. Uh, that's one of the reasons Thomas Jefferson used those words in the Declaration of Independence, that all men are created equally and that all of them are endowed by their Creator. Uh, and James Madison, the man who wrote the Constitution, was also, uh, despite owning some slaves himself, was an ardent enemy of slavery. Uh, the only reason that they allowed that to continue was for the sake of being able to have the Union, thinking that we could uh, eventually deal with that at some other time. But, uh, you know, there, there was that sentiment already early on, and it came from uh, the biblical worldview of the people of that era. You know, if you don't have a biblical worldview, what possible reason could you have to um, to oppose slavery? And, uh, you know, sometimes anti-Christians borrow Christian morality, but if you look around the world, if you look at every culture at every time in history, you know, Aztecs, Vikings, uh, you know, Romans, Greeks, it uh, doesn't matter, slavery was ubiquitous. And so it's. I think it's fascinating that Christianity and the spread of the gospel is what eventually helped humanity um, remedy these injustices. And yet not one child in a thousand in a government school has any understanding of these things because they're not taught these things. In fact, they're, they're taught to uh, demonize Christianity. And before we went on, we talked about one example out of North Carolina, but similar things are happening all over the country. Um, they had little children stand up in front of the classroom. I think there were third or fourth grade children, and this went up to the school board. Uh, and the teacher told them to uh, apologize for their white privilege and for their Christian privilege. 
And, uh, you know, they're, they're now drilling these ideas into the minds of these children that uh, race is so important. You know, as Christians, we know that we're all one in Christ. And as you pointed out, uh, we actually all have the same great-great-great-great-grandparents, right? You go back to Adam and Eve, and then you go to Noah. Uh, we all actually literally come from the same ancestors. Uh, and so this whole idea of race is rather silly. But in the public school system, they dwell on this like it was the most important topic in the world. And they start in kindergarten or even before. We found a school in a preschool in uh, in Brooklyn. And one of their big claims to fame was that they were teaching children about racism and white privilege and these kinds of things. Whereas, uh, you know, if you don't drill these ideas into the minds of children, um, you know, they don't even think about these things. And I know from experience, this isn't something that children dwell on unless and until they're taught by adults that that's how they should think about the world, that this is what's important. And, you know, speaking of the fruit of, of all this, you know, we're supposed to judge things by their fruits. Well, we can see the fruit now. It's hatred. It's yes. uh, destruction. It's, um, you know, this class warfare, this race warfare. And I think um, the enemy, Satan, of course, and uh, his minions uh, just love this, you know, keep people at each other's throats, keep people hating each other, keep people killing each other. Uh, it, it's a tragedy beyond what words can express. And I really do think it comes straight back to what the children are learning in the public school system. Wow. So much more to unpack there, Alex. But we've got to take a break and uh, talk about more in a minute. Alex Newman is with us. Um, the Newman Report, uh, Freedom Project Media, and The New American. When we come back, we'll talk about more of the fruit of public schools, what we're seeing in our culture today, in our country, and in government, and also Antifa. We're going to get Alex's thoughts on that and what is behind this whole movement of destruction and violence and anti-Americanism when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Our international correspondent guest, Alex Newman, is with us, teacher, author. By the way, the book we talked about last time Alex was on here with us on the podcast, Crimes of the Educators, How Utopians Are Using Government Schools to Destroy America's Children. Wow, that's pretty provocative, Alex. I know we talked about it last time you were with us, but just can you just share a couple thoughts behind uh, why you wrote that book and maybe some of the fruit that has come from that? Have you raised awareness to hopefully this generation? Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity to speak on that, David. So uh, it was actually a, a collaboration with uh, another fellow, Dr. Samuel Blumenfeld. And, uh, you know, he really was one of the founding fathers of the homeschool movement. Uh, he was probably one of the world's top experts on the history of the public education system. He had written, I think, 13 books on education um, prior to uh, Crimes of the Educators, which we wrote together. And, um, you know, it really has been, I think, a, a blessing, not just for me, but for a lot of people, because it explains, first of all, why so many Americans can't read. You know, there's, there's this massive illiteracy problem in America. And, you know, I can't even overestimate the importance of this. It's, it's just so significant. If you go back to the very first education law that was ever passed in North America, it was the Old Deluder Satan Act. And uh, the premise of the legislation was written right in the bill, uh, was that that old deluder Satan, uh, one of his chief projects is to deny men access to the scriptures, right? And, you know, they were thinking in the context of Europe, people were being burned at the stake for trying to translate the Bible. You know, it, it, you know that, that's the context that they were thinking in. But they said it, it's so important that everybody in this colony uh, read the Bible so that they can avoid being deceived by Satan, that we're actually going to make it a law. Everybody needs to learn how to read so that they can read their Bible so that we can avoid, as a people, being deceived by that enemy, by that old deluder Satan. And here we are in modern America, uh, you know, almost uh, 400 years later, and we're in a situation where probably the great majority of the American people does not read their Bibles, and I would venture to say probably most of those cannot read their Bibles. And the reason why is because um, the public schools have been using a method for teaching reading that we have known for a fact is absolute quackery since 1844. Okay? It was first tried out in the, in the original public schools in Boston uh, back in the late 1830s, early 1840s, and it was such a disaster. Uh, this whole word method that they were using, which was developed to actually teach uh, deaf children how to read, 
Uh, and for deaf children, you know, it was a big step forward. But when they tried it on non-deaf children, it was such a disaster that all the schoolmasters of Boston got together and they wrote this essay. And uh, Sam Blumenfeld actually republished that essay in a phenomenal book he published in 1973 called The New Illiterate. Um, mm. That essay is significantly more relevant today than it was back then because this is the same method we use today under Common Core to teach children reading, and it doesn't work. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's why a lot of people don't understand this, and but that's why we have this massive illiteracy crisis in this country. Uh, it's not hard to teach a child to read. I've taught many children to read. My wife has taught many children to read. I mean, we, we were part of homeschool co-ops, and all the children can read the King James Bible by the time they're, you know, six or seven. Uh, and yet, in the public school system, you're graduating millions of children who literally cannot read their own high school diplomas. And the government's numbers prove this. And, you know, the significance of this is so huge, David. That's why we have such biblical illiteracy in this nation. That's why we have such ignorance on so many topics, right? That's why people turn to CNN uh, for their news. It's because they're incapable of reading a newspaper. They're incapable <laughs> of reading primary source documents. They're incapable of picking up a history book. And most importantly, they're incapable of reading God's Word. So what happens? You get a people that doesn't know its own history, a people that doesn't have the light of the gospel, the light of truth that God has revealed to us. And so what happens? Then we go back. We revert to uh, barbarism. Like every society that didn't have the light of God's word, we become barbarous and savages. And that's what we're seeing right now in America. It breaks my heart. Um, but the answer is simple. Teach children to read so that they can read God's word. And, um, you know, we, we could get back to the kind of nation that we were supposed to be. But as of right now, you know, very few people are talking about this. And so that's, I think, the main takeaway from Crimes of the Educators. And then the other takeaway is that this was deliberate, right? When, when this quackery was tried out in Boston in the 1840s, it was immediately yanked out. Right? The schoolmaster said, hey, this doesn't work. Right? The children cannot read this way, and so we're going to stop doing it. Uh, they described the symptoms of what was happening. Today we would refer to them as dyslexia. And so Everybody understood, okay, we're not going to use this anymore. We tried it. It didn't work. That's it. It's done. But then John Dewey, who we know was an enemy of God, he was an enemy of Christ, he was an enemy of the Bible. In fact, we know because he said so, right? He, he was the author, mm -hmm. one of the main authors of the First Humanist Manifesto, which was an explicitly anti-Christian document. The very first plank of the Humanist Manifesto, direct quote, is we religious humanists believe the universe is self-existing and not created, which is a direct full frontal assault on the very first words of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So this is the guy who resurrected the whole word crackery. He got $3 million from the Rockefeller dynasty, set mm. up an experimental school, and, and reintroduced this quack method of teaching reading, graduated a bunch of kids who couldn't read, couldn't tell for right from wrong, and they said, this will be perfect. Let's do this all across America. And that right there is the genesis of the modern public school system. That right there is why our people are so ignorant, why they can't read, why they don't know anything about the Bible. Um, and, uh, you know, we see that, we see the results of that now. Our society is literally falling apart all around us. And that's a nice segue here into my question about the fruit of the public schools. It's not just the basics of um, lack of proper teaching and education when it comes to the basics, reading and math and history. They have rewritten history, which is another major problem. But what we're seeing today with so many young people, Alex, that are believing the lies, and I don't know, I mean, you would probably know this more than I do, would most public school teachers recognize that some of these views are questionable when they talk about our history? I'm not talking about the Christian principles of, you know, the LGBT movement and the push for transgenderism and moral relativism and the teaching of evolution and all that. That's clearly blatantly anti-Christian. But I'm talking about just well the principle we're talking about today of racism. Do the the teachers must know their Stoking this, do, you, do they not? Well, you know, probably some of them do. But what's interesting, David, is we're now three, four, maybe five generations into this indoctrination. And, uh, you know, in the 1960s, the Supreme Court gave it a major boost. And one of the dissenters on the Supreme Court in these cases, I think, hit the nail on the head in terms of why we're seeing what we're seeing right now. Um, you know, in 1962, we had that very famous case um, where uh, a, a New York 
excuse me, the state of New York was sued uh, over prayer. Right? They, they had developed a, it was a non-sectarian prayer, actually. It was Catholics, Protestants, and Jews who came up with it together. And it was very simple, you know, just asking God for his blessing, asking uh, God to bless the teachers and the, and the families and, and for his guidance. And the Supreme Court ruled that that was unconstitutional. And then in 1963, they went even further. They said no more Bible readings are allowed, right? And they actually, it's, it's interesting, they cited the First Amendment as their rationale for that, which is beyond ludicrous, right? When the First Amendment was written and ratified, most of the states actually had established churches. So, the, you know, the, the idea that the First Amendment was supposed to prevent a prayer or a Bible reading in a public school is uh, beyond ludicrous. But one of the dissenting justices, his name was uh, Justice Potter Stewart, uh, he wrote a, a brilliant dissent against these rulings, and he said what's happened here is not uh, the creation of a state of neutrality with respect to religion. In fact, what we've done here is actually establish a new religion. And, and he described the religion as secularism, but it really was the religion of John Dewey, mm -hmm. uh, humanism. And humanism, you know, it seems kind of new because John Dewey and his, and his comrades wrote it down in the 1930s. And people can read the First Humanist Manifesto, and you'll realize that is the worldview that most Americans today take for granted, even mm -hmm. unfortunately many of the ones who call themselves Christian. Yes. Um, it's really just socialism and communism. We've got to get rid of profit. We've got to get rid of private property, get rid of nation states, reorganize the economy. There is no God. We all came from slime, things like that. Um, so what Potter Stewart said was we had established this new religion of secularism. And, of course, it's not a new religion, right? It, it, it's this concept that man can be his own god, right? We don't need the real god to tell us what's right and wrong. We can decide for ourselves. You know, we're advanced, and humanity is the be-all and end-all of everything and, and having pleasure. And, if, of course, if you go back to Genesis 3-5, you'll recognize those exact same lies right in the garden. Right? Oh, did God really say, you know, mm. you can choose for yourself what's right and wrong. You know, you can be like God all this kind of nonsense. And so this is now, unfortunately, the worldview of the framework through which most Americans see the world and, and understand current events and understand history. And I think most teachers, unfortunately, have just been so saturated in this from mm -hmm. the time they were in kindergarten all the way through the 12 years of public school, and they went to education to get an education degree at an education college where the indoctrination was supercharged. And unfortunately, many of them now see the world through this view. They they literally see you know racism in everything. They see race in everything. Mm -hmm. uh, they reject the truth that God has revealed to us. And the consequences of that, we know. We know what the consequences are. Uh, God tells us. In fact, if you want to know what happens when people reject God, go read Romans 1. He's very clear. Yes. Um, and, and of course, you have to deliberately suppress the truth and your own unrighteousness to come to those conclusions. But that's where we are today as a society. Oh, so much more to ask you, Alex. Um, let's bring it up to what, what's been happening through this last week. We understand the roots of this now, and I know books could probably be written on this, and many of them have uh, other people, but I'm looking at this 26-page article that I pulled up on Fox News this morning, Secret Service Agents Wounded Outside White House, Car Bombs Feared, Officials Say Trump Was Taken to the Bunker, not sure if that actually happened, but that's what it says. And there's someone that tweeted in this article. It says, Antifa is burning down the historic St. John's Church across the street from the White House. It's completely up in flames. My question to you, Alex, can you shed any light on why there's so much, I guess, tolerance for these, not the protesters about George Floyd, but the radicals for Antifa, why weren't the National Guard called in sooner? Why weren't they, they allowed to use force? I'm not talking about real bullets, about killing all the radicals, agitators, and, and demonstrators that were out there for Antifa and the radical groups. I'm talking about at least being more prepared to using force. This is the White House, and it's really disheartening for some Americans to look at this and say, why aren't they even protecting our cities, let alone the Capitol? Can you shed any light on this? Yeah, and, and I think this goes right along with what we're talking about, David. You know, God told us what the purpose of government was. <laughs> it was to punish evil and to protect the good. And here we have evil running wild, right, burning down churches. Uh, just yesterday, uh, not far from here, a, a police officer had his throat slit by some supposed protesters, right? Uh, this was in, uh, in Jacksonville. Uh, this is what's happening now. Um, you know, they're, they're smashing things, they're, they're hurting people, they're breaking businesses, 
and uh, and government. You know, in, in Minnesota, in Washington D.C., you know, all over the country, you have these um, governors and these mayors who are at the very least uh, sympathetic to uh, some of these so-called expressions of outrage. And yes, um, you know, we need to recognize there's there's a very real difference between protesting. Even if you're protesting about you know something that, that's wrong or inaccurate, you know that's your right. Everybody has a right in America to protest whatever they want, and I think in this case, there's there's good reason to be upset. But there's a very serious and very obvious difference between that and some of what's happening now, which is rioting, which is looting, which is destruction, which is hurting people. Uh, I saw last night before I went to sleep in Dallas, they beat a guy close to death for trying to protect his own business from looters. I yep. mean, they, they beat him and just left him a bloody pulp on the floor. I saw that. And left-wing governors and left-wing mayors are not doing anything. Uh, and I think part of this is very strategic, right? Um, when you dig a little bit into Antifa, first of all, you see the roots of Antifa. We actually had a, a Marxist terrorist group uh, in Germany uh, decades ago, many decades ago, uh, used the same symbol and even the same name. And, uh, you know, they like to portray themselves as anti-fascist. In right. fact, they are fascist. They are, uh, and, and Marxism and socialism and communism are all very close cousins to fascism, which is a, a total rejection of biblical principles on the role of government. Uh, it basically elevates the state over the family, over the church, when, you know, God has been clear that there's different spheres of authority for each of those institutions. Uh, so they really all share a very similar ideology. And then you look at the very, very powerful forces in America that are stoking these movements and that are funding these movements, right? We've done a lot of work at The New American uh, exposing all of the different flows of money from people like George Soros and the Rockefellers into these subversive um, really terrorist organizations. I think it's interesting that Trump finally came out and declared Antifa uh, a terrorist organization. Yes, thank you. Uh, it is in a very real sense. Yes. Yeah, it's, you know, they, they are actually terrorizing the public. They are involved in murder and uh, absolute wanton destruction. So interesting things here. But I think it is part of the broader war on this country, on, uh, on civilization, on the church, uh, and on decent people and, and on morality. And so, you know, I, I hope that some of these images that people are seeing on their televisions now, and, you know, CNN is stoking a lot of it, too. A lot of the fake media is stoking this, and mm -hmm. they tried to cover for it. You've, you've had uh, CNN anchors say, oh, Antifa, they're just anti-fascists. Like Chris Cuomo shared a picture right. of uh, our soldiers landing uh, on Normandy on D-Day. Uh, oh, look, other anti-fascists. Oh, no, gosh. no, no, sorry. Our forefathers were fighting the same ideology that these maniacs running around burning wow. and looting and killing uh, are trying to advance. So it's, it's very troubling, David. Yeah, I turned over to CNN last night, and I try not to do that uh, too late so I won't be able to sleep. But uh, when I did put on CNN for a few minutes, wh what was the guy? Is it Don Lemon? Is that his name? Um, I think so. Yes, I think so. Yeah. Anyway, he was on there, and they played all these clip after clip after clip, clip after clip of um, a black person being killed or discriminated against by police. And I'm thinking— First of all, they're stoking this even more. To me, at this point, with all the violence and destruction and rebellion in America, that is irresponsible as a news, so-called, I don't want to call them the news outlet, as a uh, news. Yeah, communist commentary network. Um, so I, I don't believe that that was responsible to do as, I, anyway, I'll just leave it at that. But not to say that those things haven't happened and they're wrong when they happen, but there was, I forgot his name, there was a, a black commentator, a contributor over on Fox News, an attorney that was saying the percentage of these types of crimes are like less than 1% or point something. And he said over 98% of the crimes when blacks are killed, they are either by other blacks, either inner cities, or it's, it's just not by police officers. So... We're showing these that draw emotion and anger out of us, and that's what CNN was doing. And, and boy, I hope I don't have a lot of faith in the average American citizen, but I hope that most people recognize what they're doing and the agenda behind it. When we come back with Alex Newman, um, we're going to talk more about Antifa. We're also going to get to homeschooling. I said that at the very beginning of this program, but there's so much more to talk about. And what, what this statement meant by Abraham Lincoln when he said the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government 
in the next. And now we're seeing governors who are coming against the president who wants to designate Antifa a terrorist organization. So different worldviews, different way of running things. We'll come back with Alex Newman in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. We're on the line with international correspondent Alex Newman with The New American, with Freedom Project Media, and... Um, uh, let's see. I'm pulling up the New American. Um, I'm still getting through this thick issue on the war on Christianity. But you say there's a new issue out that talks about homeschooling and uh, sex education and other things. I think we need to try to make an, an um, uncomfortable segue here <laughs> from what we were talking about with the riots into homeschooling in a minute. But I did you share your final thoughts, Alex, on Antifa? Is there anything else you want to wrap up that part of the conversation with to inform some of our listeners? Yeah, I, I just hope people see this in the broader context of what's happening. You know, this is an all-out assault on uh, on the remaining vestiges of our Christian civilization. And uh, if we let this go too much further, uh, it is going to quite literally lead to the disintegration of our society. And so we need to see it in that context. This is part of a much broader agenda. This is not just some you know, brainwashed ragamuffins out there protesting in the street. This is highly organized. Mm-hmm. This is highly orchestrated. Um, it's an old communist strategy, in fact. They, they have the pressure from above and then the pressure from below. Mm-hmm. The pressure from below is the ragamuffins out on the street beating people with baseball bats and burning down churches and people's businesses. Then the pressure from above comes in the form of, um, for example, the head of the U.N. human rights bureaucracy. Her name is Michelle Bachelet. She's a longtime communist from Latin America. Uh, she literally defected to East Germany, right, as millions of people were struggling to figure out a way out of this horrifying communist dictatorship. This woman defected to the regime. So that gives you some sense of where she's coming from. Um, and, uh, and now she's out there saying, oh, America must submit to all these different U.N. policies. You've got to nationalize your police. You've got to do this, that, and the other. So you have the pressure from below pressure from above. Uh, meanwhile, the, the poor American people who are confused, who don't know what's happening, uh, find themselves stuck in this in this pincer. And um, I mean, we're going to quite literally have the life squeezed out of us if we continue to allow this to advance. And uh, you know, a big, big part of it is the public school system. Uh, that was the chief mechanism they were able to use tear down the foundations of our society by filling the minds of our young people for now several generations with um, with an anti-Christian worldview, with lies about our founding, about Christianity, about the Bible, about our origins, about science, about, you know, pick your topic. They've lied to our children, and that is what has made all this possible. Mm-hmm. And the consequences, you know, I, I think a lot of people don't understand the consequences of losing our Christian civilization will be losing the fruit of our Christian civilization. All these things that people like so much, the prosperity, the, you know, the security, we can be safe in our own homes, the, you know, the, the safety, uh, all of that's going to be gone, too. Well, religious freedom. We need to really uh, pay attention here. That's right. Yeah. That's right. The ability to, even, even freedom of speech, just basic concepts that we've had as, as a bedrock of our society, they're all at risk now, and uh, we've got to take this seriously. Okay, before we get to uh, these new surveys that are apparently indicating that more people are at least interested in homeschooling in the fall, uh, or others are actually planning on keeping their children at home uh, because of the coronavirus. They've been able to see what it's like to educate their kids, which is much better. But anyway, um, on, at the New American, there's one article that says looting and riots compared to Fourth of July celebrations by a leftist professor, I guess, in Oklahoma. But this is what academia thinks. All right, all these people are just, you know, they're they're what their their constitutional rights out there to protest, but not to push lawlessness to destroy public property and private property. Um, back to this article now, Alex, that I teased earlier. I think it's really important. Um, President Trump is, again, uh, against the globalist and against the uh, censorship. He confronted it by um, uh, actually confronting the censorship because he was, I guess, banned on Twitter. Some of his tweets were either deleted or um, I don't know how they they did that. You, you know about it because you wrote an article about it because big tech also targeted the new American. Tell us about that. 
Yeah, well, thank you for the opportunity. And so, the, you know, in recent weeks, the situation has really gotten out of control. Uh, it stepped up significantly during the 2016 election where they realized that, uh, you know, people just weren't buying the lies anymore. People were actively seeking out the truth. So they started with, you know, accelerating the shadow banning. Google started trying to rig its algorithms to turn up pro-Hillary Clinton stuff. Uh, we know because even pro-Hillary Clinton experts who were monitoring this blew the whistle. We had people from within Google coming out and blowing the whistle. We had videotape of top Google executives plotting and scheming on how they would prevent a Donald Trump election and how, you know, unbelievable stuff. Now, I think Donald Trump has taken a very, very good measure here with this mm-hmm. executive order. Um, you know, the media is misrepresenting it as yes. they do with everything. Uh, it actually doesn't it regulate these companies. It doesn't impose any new mandates on them. It doesn't tell them what they do or don't do. All it says is if you want these amazing federal benefits that have allowed you to grow up into being these basically monopolies, right, protection from liability, uh, you know, federal funding, you get all the tax money from government agencies that are advertising with you, um, then you have to do your end of the bargain. And in the Communications Decency Act, which is cited multiple times in the executive order, uh, it's very clear that the reason these protections were given to these companies was because they were acting as neutral venues, kind of like bulletin boards or public squares. They weren't regulating what was said. Mm -hmm. They were just a platform for people to say things and communicate. And that's no longer the case. I mean, they are now openly hostile to Christians. I, I had a Facebook, uh, or a good friend of mine who posted on Facebook, just a Bible verse. And Facebook told him that was a violation of community guidelines. What? Hate speech. And so they put him in Facebook jail. Yep. Yeah. Oh, because he probably um, posted on homosexuality Daily, or something. Right. Go ahead. Exactly. Yep. Yeah, but there was no commentary. There was nothing. It was just a Bible verse. And so according to Facebook now, uh, the Bible is hate speech, which is interestingly the same thing the British government and the Swedish government now say as well. Right? You can't quote uh, Bible verses dealing with homosexuality, with gender, because then that's hate speech and those are actually a crime in the UK and in Sweden. So they, they literally arrest pastors now. This is the direction we're moving in. And I'm glad Trump is taking this seriously. Trump said you're going to lose those protections if you're not living up to your end of the bargain, which is acting as a neutral platform for the exchange of ideas. Um, and it's important. And as far as the censorship of the New American goes, uh, it has really, really stepped up in recent weeks. Uh, Google has basically disappeared us from their search rankings. I mean, you almost can't find the New American even when you're looking for it. Um, Facebook has now started slapping all these fake fact-check warnings on our content. Um, and, and many of them don't even have anything to do with our content. In fact, I had one uh, about a week or two ago that the article literally debunked the same claim that PolitiFact, one of Facebook's partners, was saying that we were making. You know, um, and, and my article actually debunked that very same claim. So how they're doing this is... Um, you know, kind of mysterious, but what they are doing is very, very obvious. They're trying to silence any voices that, that disrupt the establishment narrative, in particular Christians and conservatives are facing massive discrimination. And, um, you know, it's about time that the federal government stops subsidizing and supporting and enabling uh, discrimination against Christians and conservatives. It's, it's not right. It's happening with tax money. And so I, for one, am very encouraged that Trump has taken these actions long overdue, but better late than never. Yes, so am I. I am thankful that he's making some of these moves. And um, last week, Alex, you talked about the silver lining of the public school shutdown when it comes to the coronavirus and that more parents were homeschooling. But yet I just saw an article over at the Daily Wire that says, I'm trying to get to the title, public schools across the nation are making it difficult for parents to pull kids out to homeschool them. A report that just came out, I believe, yesterday. Would you like to comment on this and just share your thoughts? Yeah, and, and you know, that's what's happening right now. In fact, uh, here in our county, we got a nasty letter uh, from education authorities threatening to, actually, they said your homeschooling is officially terminated because we allegedly forgot to send in some form, which we actually weren't even required to send in. Oh, my goodness. And now they're sending us a bunch of taxpayer-funded propaganda begging us to at least do their government virtual school. You know, thanks, but no thanks. You know, I'd, I'd rather my children not be indoctrinated with anti-Christian uh, fake history and fake science, yes. uh, whether it comes through a computer or actually sending my child there. But, but this is, I think, really the most important silver lining of this whole coronavirus shutdown. Uh, all across the country now, millions of moms and dads, uh, on the one hand, are seeing what their children are being taught, and they're horrified. And I, I interviewed uh, a mom who saw some of the stuff they were sending her children by email from the school, and she was horrified. She said, I'm taking my children out right now. They're never going back to public school. 
Uh, another mom out in California saw that her middle school, the, the middle school of the child, had sent an invitation to an LGBTQ plus queer hangout, <laughs> private event, invitation only, mm-hmm. where 13-year-old children were supposed to be hanging out virtually with adult homosexuals and transgenders. They define youth as being up to your mid-20s. Um, incredible. So she also decided to pull her children out. This is really good. Uh, on the flip side, you have parents who are now uh, trying out homeschooling, and they're saying, wow, you know, we can do this, and it's fun, and the children are happy, and you know, we, we can transmit our values, and we can pass on you know, a true version of history, and uh, you know, we can do field trips and go wherever we want. Hey, this is cool. So you know, if you look at the polling data now, somewhere between 25 and 40 percent of American parents with children in government schools are strongly considering making the move into homeschooling. Uh, that is probably the best news that I've seen in a very long time. And, you know, it ties back to everything else that we've been talking about, David. Mm-hmm. This is the, the most effective thing that an average American parent can do um, to fight back against this evil that is overtaking our country, and that is don't let them have your children. And open up your Bible. I mean, your Bible has a whole lot to say on that. You can read every page of it backwards, forwards, upside down. You will never find any permission for you, Mom and Dad, to send your child to Caesar to be educated. In fact, as you read the Scriptures, it is crystal clear what God thinks about education. Every verse having to do with education is in the context of parents training up their children, parents uh, raising their children in the fear and admonition and discipline of the Lord, parents teaching the law to their children when they wake up, when they lay down, when they walk by the way, every single one. In fact, uh, one of the guys who did our uh, Rescuing Our Children special issue with us in the New American, uh, we're hoping to get a million copies out there now. His name is Israel Wayne. Mm -hmm. He wrote a phenomenal book on this exact question. What does God think about education? Does God have an opinion on education? Um, And the answer is, yes, he does. Uh, He expects parents to oversee and be in charge of the education of their children with a possible supplemental role from the church. Nowhere does Caesar have any delegation of authority over the education of our children. And I think that's one of the places we went really wrong as a society, was this idea that we could just allow the government to educate our children, and then we could pass on those responsibilities that God gave to us as parents. We could just give them to Caesar and everything would work out okay. No, it won't. Uh, And clearly it hasn't. So uh, you know this this move away from the government school system and into homeschooling, into private schools like Freedom Project Academy that partner with parents uh, that, that operate from a biblical worldview, that teach true history and true science, that teach reading with phonics. Uh, this is the best thing, in my view, that could possibly be happening right now. And we need to encourage it, and we need to uh, be a part of it if we aren't already. And I, I think really this is going to be one of the primary solutions. If we're going to turn around this train wreck, it's going to have to start with making sure our children get a decent education. Amen. Alex Newman. We just had Israel Wayne on a few weeks ago, and I'll put that podcast link up too. But we could have taken a whole nother hour here, but we just don't have the time, Alex. But I think we covered a lot of the uh, main points we wanted to get to this morning. Thank you so much for coming back with us on Stand for the Truth. God bless you, brother. Hey, thank you so much for having me on, brother. I appreciate it. God bless you. God bless all the listeners. And uh, thank you once again for having me on. Thanks, Alex. When we come back, we'll let you know our, list, our guests for the rest of this week. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. All right. Thank you guys so much for hanging with us. Remember to share our podcast on social media. Tomorrow's guest, we're excited to have Patrick Wood of Technocracy News. He'll be back with us. I'm sure we'll not have a shortage of things to talk about. And uh, by the way, I want to point out a new guest, Dr. Raji Gurgis. He's going to be with us on Thursday to talk about mental health issues and depression and and, uh, the spiritual dynamic behind this. But all these articles we mentioned today, there's so much more we could have talked about. I'll put those links in today's podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.